Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. How are you? I'm good. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Happy anniversary as well. Uh, We are almost one year to the day recording our first uh, podcast together, Fate's Warnings Inside Out. And and much to your, uh, I guess, everything coming full circle, we'll do parallels this week, going back to 1991. But when you picked it, I don't think you realized that it was actually almost 30 years to the day that this album came out because it was released on October 29th. 1991. So very, very timely uh, choice, even if it was completely and wholly unintentional. But I look forward to getting to that. I just want to mention a couple of things that came out this week that I thought were really uh, worth noting. Uh, Two things that I had actually sent to you uh, offline. The first um, was a single by a band called Signum Draconis. And it is a rock opera, you know, a double CD album rock opera based on The Divine Comedy by Dante Alighieri. And this has a number of special guests on it. Mark Bowles is on this album, Ben Jackson of Crimson Glory, uh, Simone from DGM, Oleg Shvirnov from Eldritch and Vision Divine, amongst others. And the single that I had heard was a, a song called Whirlwind of Lovers. And quite frankly, it reminded me a lot of that early Rhapsody stuff. So I thought it was worth uh, well, I thought you were going to say it reminded you a lot of high school. Yeah, that that too, based on a lot of the <laughs> names I just mentioned for sure. Um, I, I mean, I had sent it to you. What, what were your thoughts on it? I liked it. I, I, um, I'd be curious to hear the uh, the rest of the album for sure. Yeah, definitely. It, it should be uh, it should be interesting. Uh, and then the other the other single that I heard was a song called Passenger by uh, Boston's Wilder Run, one of my favorite up-and-coming prog bands. Um, another epic tune. They, they, One of the things I love about them is that every time you, you hear a Wilder Run track, I feel like you notice more and more stuff that's going on because it just seems like there's so many tracks within a track within a track. Um, but this album, I believe, is due out in January, or if not, sometime early next year. I, I am definitely looking forward to this release. Um should be good. It should be good. The the album is going to be called Epigon. It's their fourth. It's their fourth studio album, and I actually I think the release date is January seventh on Century Media Records. So it should be should be a good one. Yeah, their first album was so good. Like even something that I wasn't expecting to to like, I guess, or or maybe not even that. Just um, I just when I listened to it, I was like, this is not my usual thing that I'm drawn to. But I I thought it was just so well done and so unique and so um. This new single is really good, and I'm I'm looking forward to hearing the uh, the whole thing. I uh, I've I have pre-ordered it, so surprisingly good live too. It's you would think it would be very difficult to recreate that sound, but they do a nice job of it. And uh, needless to say, when they're back on tour, I, I look forward to um, seeing them. As as it seems like more and more tours are getting announced, as we've you know mentioned in in weeks past and stuff like that. So it's exciting to see that, but. We'll, we'll get there uh, in the future, and, and for now, let's go back to 1991 and, and the Parallels album. Uh, I'll ask you this: Why? You know, I obviously know why you chose Fate's Warning. Why did you choose this album as opposed to any of the others? I love this album. That's a good. That's <laughs> as good. That, that's as good a reason as any. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I, a lot of people absolutely love this album, and I completely, completely understand why. Um, it's kind of a transitional album for them. Wouldn't you agree just based on like a lot of the stuff that had come before it and the stuff that would come later in the nineties with, you know, a pleasant shade of gray and stuff like that. To me, this was a very much transitional, but timely album for, for 1991. Well, uh, I did something this week that I have not done in our one year podcasting together. And that is to go back and listen to an entire episode that we did. Um, I know you agree. Um, I'm not a big fan of listening to myself, um, but I was curious what we had to say about Inside Out. Um, and I was also kind of curious if we really sucked a year ago compared to, to now, 60 episodes <laughs> later. And I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was rather listenable. Um, but it was interesting because um, I just, I kind of wanted to go into this with. Um, keeping like our, our thoughts on inside out and our, our uh, ratings and review of inside out in the back of my head. Um, and uh, I think you had said too, at the time about inside out being kind of like a, a transition. And the, the reason that I, I chose parallels on, to, to give you a real reason is, is because 
when you asked me to choose an album that first time, um, I was trying to decide between these two and because they are my two favorite Fates Warning albums. Um, I think I chose Inside Out initially just because um, it was my first Fates Warning album. Um, I, I would, I think I got parallels after uh, Inside Out and A Pleasant Shade of Grey. I think this was my third Fates Warning album. I might have even gotten this after getting the, the live album Still Life that came out in 98. Um, so it seemed like a good choice to, to kind of to review that other album because we talked about Parallels quite a bit in the Inside Out episode because I feel like they kind of go hand in hand with one another and there's definitely um, a couple of tracks on here that feel like they might have fit right on right on Inside Out um, especially the the first and last track I feel um, and I know we'll, we'll talk about each each song you know in depth but um like you said, yeah, this is like, you know, this is at a time where, you know, when you go back to those really early Fates Warning albums, Night on Brocken, Inspector Within, Awaken the Guardian, those are the three albums that they recorded with, um, uh, what's his name? I'm forgetting his name. John Arch. Yes, John Arch. Um, they were kind of, they were more of like a traditional heavy metal band with like, with kind of a progressive elements, I feel. Um, and then I think with No Exit and Perfect Symmetry, they started to, you know, not only did they get Ray Alder as their, their vocalist, but they also kind of, you know, changed over to a more um, traditional progressive metal band, I feel like. And uh, I feel like Parallels was kind of like this perfect marriage of that new Fates Warning sound, that new prog metal sound with also a very like radio friendly and accessible um like kind of almost like a modern rock kind of kind of vibe to it what do you think i think that you definitely hear the progressive elements that would become the later albums certainly inside out uh definitely a pleasant shade of gray but i'll take it one step further I actually hear stuff on this album, one or two tracks in particular, and I'll mention them a little bit later, that would have fit on Theories of Flight or Long Day, Good Night. The, the, their last two albums, just because th- there's tracks that fit very well on those recent albums, but at the same time, there were three or four tracks on the album which I think were almost an intentional, I want to get radio play, let's try to kind of piggyback off the hair bands that were doing very well in the late in the late 80s and even into the early 90s and that was one of the things i was going to mention i hear the signature fates warning sound with a bit of firehouse or a bit of slaughter or, or one of those bands that were really really hot at the time and i don't think it was unintentional because there's three tracks in particular that harken back to that sound more than it does kind of the stuff that they would do five or 10 or even 20 or 30 years later. Yeah, I think that's uh, very well said. And and I, I definitely, I mean, these Parallels and Inside Out are the albums I really know the best uh, as far as all of Fate's Warning's albums go. Um, and they kind of fit right in the middle, uh, you know, chronologically, I think. Um, but uh I would have to say that um, there are, like I said before, that there are, I feel like there are certain um, things that remind me of inside. I feel like, like the last song, the road goes on forever. Like, I feel like that has, it almost is like a perfect last track. Cause it kind of leads into where I think Fate's warning is going to sound in a few years with, with inside out. Um, but yeah, I agree with you that there's definitely um, songs like the middle of the album is really just like this, uh, just super almost uh, maybe poppy is not the right word, but it's just so so, so catchy. Um, the hooks in, in songs like Eye to Eye and and um, Point of View and We Only Say Goodbye, like these are I, these are some of my favorite Fates Warning songs, and I think it's just because they're so catchy. And as soon as that the opening, you know riff or, or drum fill comes in it, it just gets me like so excited uh, especially um 
eye to eye just being one of those like i just when i hear the beginning of that song i just i'm like oh this is this is gonna this is gonna be a a a fun you know four minutes like i just it's such a great tune we often talk about accessible prog right and and i kind of drift towards some of the esoteric or some of the offbeat stuff but as someone such as yourself who really likes those are just nice words for weird yeah well i have no problem (laughs) saying that my, my taste is varied to say the least but with you, you like that accessible stuff. And I don't want to say simple-minded, but I'll say accessible, right? So what I'll say is when, when it comes to like th- – this is really the beginning of accessible prog metal, right? I mean there's no there, – you know, there's no um, Seventh Wonder or Circus Maximus if there's no Fate's Warning because this was really the, the start of it. And I think a lot of it has to do with not only the songwriting. I, I think that that goes without saying. Jim, Jim Matheos' songwriting is – second to none but the drumming mark zonder's drumming on this album is is like the epitome of progressive before there was a you know before this is before images and words <laughs> this is before um you know a, a lot of those hallmark prog metal albums this was one of the first even though it has those pop elements that we that we you know that you mentioned earlier yeah i i, I agree and uh I always like to mention that the uh, the million dollar bass player Joe DiBiase um, was the bass player on this album, and uh, Frank Oresti on guitar, and and uh, as we mentioned, Jim Matheos and Ray Alder kind of round up the the lineup around this time. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Images and Words I think comes out a year later. Um, I've, I think Parallels was released a little bit before Images and Words, so it's kind of feel like those two albums um are very uh very indicative of what prog metal was at this time and these uh, these were probably if not the two biggest prog metal albums of 91 and 92 um very different um very different um stylistically between the two which we'll get to later on yeah yeah um but uh yeah I, i feel like um Fate's Warning definitely was was trying to do something a, a more accessible, even though I think that Images and Words is a very accessible album for a prog album, but it it has a lot more of those um those kind of funky prog prog metal elements, like you know wacky keyboard solos and, and things like that. Whereas this, I feel like, is more of a, a straightforward rock album, or at least half the album. I, I think that. <laughs> You know, and maybe that's what part of the allure is. You have those really catchy, um, tight four to five minute songs, and then you have, on, on you know, in the next breath, you have a song like I don't know, the eleventh hour, which is just like completely different and and very reminiscent of of stuff that you would hear later on. And I guess it's the diversity, which is really interesting here. The argument I'm going to make, and I'll just kind of let the cat out of the bag now. When I listen to this album obviously multiple times because I've, I've listened to it countless times, but this week, multiple times, I realized that if I was creating the album, I would have had the track listing completely differently. I would have redone the entire album and I'll, I'll get to that as we go along. But I, my biggest issue here is this, this album is much kind of like an Oreo cookie. It starts and ends with two of the weaker songs in my opinion. And it's really that middle section, which is the, the hook here for me, you kind of want to get to the cream in the middle of the Oreo. That's the problem with this album. If there is a problem, I think that they could have done a couple of things to really change the order, which would have made the album pop a little bit more and kind of given a little more contrast to some of these tracks. Yeah. But it's like a triple stuff Oreo where like, you know, there's there's a lot of cream. Like, yeah, (laughs) I I agree. Like the the first and the last track are probably my two least favorite tracks on the album and and when i went back and listened to this again i realized that they're like the two songs that i recognize the least too and and i and it was funny because as i listened to them i thought to myself man these songs could have been on inside out i feel like leave the past behind has that kind of um mid mid tempo almost like it kind of has like island in the stream vibes to it i feel like um, it's a little bit punchier, but not a lot. Um, so I guess we can just start there since that's the first track on the album. It's just an odd choice to start things out because yes. it's, 
because you go into like life and still water and eye to eye. Those are two songs that really pick up. Um, so it, it's strange that you, that they're going to start off with this mid tempo song. It almost, it almost like kind of lulls you into this, this false sense of what the album is going to be like, because it, then it cuts into life and still water. And then it's like, I feel like this is more of the predominant type of sound that the, the album has in, in, for the most part, I'd say the majority of songs uh, have more have more of a punchiness to them, like like the life in still water. But leave the past behind. Really good tune. Um, not you know, don't it's get me not wrong. A bad tune. It's a it's solid just weird. Tune. It's just weird to to open an album with something that's kind of just lacking energy. I guess would be the best way to put it. Well, well, that goes back to my point. If I I would flip flop these first two tracks. I would have opened the album with Life in Still Water and I would have gone into Leave the Past Behind. The the problem with Leave the Past Behind is that it's a little bit repetitive. And if it wasn't for Ray Alder's vocals with some of those kind of like bent vocal lines during the chorus, it's a pedestrian tune that's just made better because of Ray's singing on, on the song. It's not one of my favorite songs on the album. It's a good song. It's not a great song. And, and the problem is when you're comparing it to the next track, Life in Still Water, which is just a phenomenal tune, it leaves something to be desired. And I would just flip the two tracks. And since we're talking about it, Life in Still Water is a drum clinic. This is where you really start hearing um, Mark Zonder absolutely shine. And it's like he's got every symbol and, and gadget and gizmo in the book. And he hits all of them and they sound great. And it's so melodic. Uh, and so catchy. It, it's a song that's been growing. I think to this day, I enjoy it more and more every time I listen to it. I'm not even sure I noticed this track back in 1998 when I probably first heard the album, but it's one of my absolute favorites uh, from, from the opening note all the way to the end where the guitar fades out. To me, this should have opened the album. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I think this song is, it's just one of those songs where I mean, not to sound like Michael Cole, but it's like vintage Fate's Warning. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's just, as far as like their kind of more upbeat songs, this is exactly what makes me think of, of Fate's Warning. And, um, it, it makes me think of, and I'm sure we'll mention it, you know, a few times, um, when Fate's Warning, uh, headlined the Prague Power USA Festival in 2009, which was, um, one of the reasons why I started attending the festival again was to see them. That was my first and, I think to this day, the only time, no, that's not true. I saw them open for Sabotage, um, after Disconnected came out, but, um, this was my, the, the only time I've seen them play like a full headline set. And, um, this was one of the songs that they played and I thought it came across really well live. Yeah, it's a fantastic live tune. I have been lucky enough to see most of this album played live at different times. Um, they played three tracks at that prog power set. I've been fortunate enough to see, uh, other tracks as well. I'm literally, I think probably two thirds of the album I've seen live. Um, these tracks actually, I think come off better live than they do on the album in many respects. And maybe that's a testament to these guys as live performers. They are one of the tightest live acts you will ever see. Um, I think I mentioned that when we spoke about them last time, but it bear, it bears repeating. These guys are just machines live. Um, and, and, and not a band I listen to that much, but a band I never miss on tour. I mean, I can't really blame you. I, if if Fate's Warning played more often where I lived, I don't think I would ever skip seeing them. I, I mean, just that one time seeing them headline, I thought they were so fantastic. I thought the the track, the 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 set list, the songs that they chose were were amazing. I thought that was such a great set list, and it's one to of my end with, sets. with yeah, to end with all of the entire Ivory Gate of Dreams. They played a, a couple of um, parts of Pleasant Shade of Grey, uh, three of my favorite songs from Parallels, two of my favorite songs from Inside Out, um, Through Different Eyes, which I love from Perfect Symmetry, a, a couple of my favorite of their newer songs, Another Perfect Day and One. I mean, it, it basically was like, you know, uh, you um, greatest you, hits in my mind. And you <laughs> of, didn't mention like, Still Remains, which might be my favorite track out of all of them. But that's a story for, for another podcast when we cover uh, when we cover Disconnected. The next track here is Eye to Eye. And you mentioned this briefly, so I have a feeling I know where this is going. Talk about it. Talk about Eye to Eye and, and why you love this track so much. Because it's awesome. 
Yeah, um, <laughs> no argument here. Um, it. I mean, this. First of all, there's a music video, and and I'm always you know a sucker for a music video, but um, I just love the way it starts out. Um, it starts out like it's this mid tempo song with um, the guitars going, and then and then the riff kicks in, and then it's like here we go. I think this is uh I think this is the catchiest song on a on an album full of catchy songs. Uh I'm uh, no surprise it's going to be my song of the week although there's a handful that come very close. Um honestly the next three songs as a matter of fact all at a certain point in time probably were my favorite song on this album but Eye to Eye is the one that I always come back to that just I just love to hear it. Um, the there's, I, I saw this live video of of um, of Fate's Warning doing this song, and at the beginning where it's kind of quiet and the and the vocals start, you just hear the whole crowd singing the beginning of the song, and I just get goosebumps thinking about how cool that is. Like just the fans singing the whole beginning of Eye to Eye. Um, like super catchy chorus, just uh, great solos. It's this. If this could have been like, you know, if if hard rock, if anyone gave a crap about it in 1991, I think this would have made a like for a really strong radio song. I completely agree, and, and I'll say this: I think that the it's it's a little bit vanilla in the sense that it's kind of formulaic, but it's great. And and to me, what absolutely makes the track is the bridge right before the final chorus it all you know all we can really share is the coldness we feel and that silent memory of the moment we met to me that bridge right before the final chorus with ray alder just doing one of his best vocal lines in any song puts this over the top and makes a very very good song one of their best yeah his vocals i think just elevate everything that they touch. I mean, he has such a fantastic and unique voice. And, uh, I mean, I don't know that it would be, like you said, I don't think it would be as good without him. Like he, he's just is, I think he's just such an iconic, uh, vocalist in, in metal. So, uh, I'm a big fan. I was, I mean, no, no disrespect to Tom England from Evergrey, but I was disappointed when Ray, uh, left redemption just because, I mean, he was, for me, like one of the main draws of the band was that there was another band that had a different style that he was in. So I could listen to Ray sing for two different bands that I really liked. So, um, you know, uh, different strokes for different folks, I guess, but I just, I'm a big fan of Ray. Uh, no, no question about that. What's interesting is again, you talk about the contrast here and a track like 11, the uh, 11th hour, it's, very different from the rest of this album and it's kind of an outlier because of it it this is an 
absolutely epic tune. And to me, you know, you mentioned it earlier. This is a precursor to, in my opinion, to Still Remains, a song that was written almost 20 years later, this long, epic tune. And I love this track, the way it starts out with that almost like a soft guitar sound with the percussion and then Alder singing over the top. They go into this heavy riff and tease what the rest of the song is, but then go right back into slowing it down before they go into the same riff again, and then it speeds off. This is brilliant songwriting. I mean, absolutely. You're not getting on the radio with this. I want to be clear. This is not a radio song. This is just an Epic Fates warning song, and the song takes takes off after that second riff, and it is heavy, which you would never expect after the first couple of minutes of the track. Probably my favorite track on the album um and, and well placed here in the sense that it's in between two of the catchiest tracks on the album yeah yeah i agree i mean hey listen if november rain in its entirety could be played on the radio then the 11th hour can too um but yeah this song just um i don't know that i was very familiar with this song until i saw the band perform it at prog power and I was like, I fell in love with it instantly. The fans singing along to the OO parts, like, um, it's ever since then, which was in 2009, so 12 years ago, it's been one of my favorite Fate's Warning songs. And, um, it probably would be, if I had to rank it, it would probably be a very close number two for me from this album. Um, I mean, these, these four tracks, uh, eye to eye, 11th hour point of view, we only say goodbye. Like arguably one of my favorite four songs in a row on any album that's ever come out. Yeah. It's, it's one after the other here on any given week. I think this could be my track of the week and it probably is my favorite track off the album, but I'm going to make my track of the week point of view just because I, cannot get over to me this is like i can understand why you like eye to eye so much but point of view is that same formula i just like the track better and i if i think it's a phenomenal live track i love the lyrics i think that it could easily be a radio hit just the same and and i think it's just a great start to the second half of the album and again we're only talking about eight tracks here it's not a long album but i think that this track um is one of their best as well. And every time I hear it live, I just, it's one of those tracks you just have to sing along to. And the first time you hear it, you, you just, you know, the lyrics after you hear it once, it just sticks with you. I think at one point I've always considered this uh, no pun intended to be kind of a parallel song with eye to eye like the, mm. the, the, but um and this was probably my favorite of the two at one point in time I think over time eye to eye is kind of a usurped point of view but I totally agree with you these songs are definitely in similar veins and um I love this song too it's another song that the band um made a video for and I just I think the lyrics to the song are just so good and I love that like I've mentioned before I'm not a big lyrics guy but I love that 
Ray Alder sings in a way that his enunciation makes it easy to understand what he's saying and, and easier to follow along with the lyrics, which I'm not always doing, um, especially with a lot of bands that I listen to that are from Europe. Sometimes the accents and stuff make it kind of hard to understand what they're saying. And I just feel like here, you know, you, you just hear it um, and very clearly. And, and yeah. I, I appreciate that about Ray's vocals, but yeah, this is a, a very fine choice for, song of the week and like i said these just four songs right in the middle of the album are just so um so good i i I think any of them really could take home that crown for either one of us on any given day if you asked me next week i probably would oscillate back to 11th hour or something else but that's where we are this week the next track we only say goodbye to me this was the track that should have closed the album and when it goes back to like i said i i i hear this album and I just hear the way that I would have put it together if I was producing it. We only say goodbye is another live favorite band. The the fans love hearing this track. And it's another one that I think probably could have wound up on the radio. I I like the contrast here. It has this kind of a dark intro, but then picks up quite nicely, despite the fact that it's lyrically a very sad and somber song, but you wouldn't know that if you just listen to the music without the lyrics um, but to me, this should have closed the album, especially with the two songs that are about to follow it. I will get to those in a second, but what, what are your thoughts on the sixth track? We only say goodbye. Love it. Um, probably my first favorite song from this album. Like when I ver- first heard the album, this is the one that I think jumped out to me. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever seen them play it live, which I would love to. I just, I, I don't know. I love the song. It's, it's so good. Um, just another really catchy tune. I think another song that probably could have been a radio hit for, for fate's warning. If anybody was paying attention to the style of music at that time. But, um, yeah, I, I think, um, the, the bridged into the chorus, um, thought I heard you call out my name, but you only said goodbye. Like I just, Oh, it's so good. And again, Ray is fantastic. And, this is just another really great song. And, and uh, actually I'd be very curious. I would love to see, um, I'd love to see you make a playlist of the, the, or this album in the order that you think it should go. in. I think that would be super interesting. Maybe we could, you could put that together and we can um, post it uh, during the week. Cause that, I, definitely I would like will. to listen to, I'd like to listen to this album, the, the Justin, uh, the Justin, uh, director's cut version. In, indulge me. I will put it together. I will post it this week. And just again, my opinion, it's just the point of view, but I will, I will put this together my way. I want to see if it, if some of these tracks and, and by some of these tracks, I'm really talking about, uh, the first track and, and the last two tracks. I want to see if it pops for you a little more. If you just listen to it my way, I haven't done it, but in my head, that's how it should have been. Don't follow me. The next track is like this mid paced rocker tune. I, I don't say it's not bad. I just think it's unspectacular and it doesn't have the hooks like the tracks that precede it. And I think that even though it's something that would have been found very easily on, on even a recent fates warning album, I could have easily seen this track on their last album. It, it's kind of a filler track and I just don't see, I, I don't know. It doesn't grab me and maybe it's different for me, for you. And if, if it is, I'd love to hear it. It just doesn't hold a candle to the to the five tracks that four or five tracks that precede it. Yeah, I think it's a victim of placement because I think it I think it is a good song and I I enjoy it too. But it's also it's kind of like it has the unfortunate you know job of following four or if you want to count life and still water five like really really strong tracks. So maybe it's just misplaced um but i do really like this song like it's i think it's one of the um one of the faster paced songs on the album and um definitely gets you like tapping your foot um i i think maybe the the problem maybe the chorus just isn't as catchy as as the other faster paced songs like eye to eye and point of view um but um I, i still think it's a good song i just think it doesn't hold up to the those songs that it preceded it yeah, I, I, again, not not a bad track for me. Just not not up there with some of the others, and and the track the the, the album ends properly 
with Road Goes On Forever. And, and this track is is really a slow-paced ballad. I, to me, the best part of this song is actually the mix. There are a bunch of ambient sounds on this thing, which are kind of really cool. And these, these, these again, great percussion here. To me, this should have been the penultimate track. I, I don't love this as an album closer. Not that it's a terrible song, but again, I just think it's misplaced. And it goes back to the reason why I'll be posting my my mix of the album, or I guess my order. Do you love? Do you like this tune, or do you kind of get lost? At, you know, by at this point in the album, it, it, it reminds me of of maybe one of the lesser, I don't know, like the one of the songs from Inside Out that didn't excite me as much as the rest. I guess, like, I feel like it kind of. Like I said before, it kind of like preps you for the next album. I don't know if they had any intentions, but this reminds me a lot of, again, like kind of like an island in the stream, kind of a mid-tempo um, kind of a... And again, like, you know, I said that like, um, you know, Eye to Eye is a song that... Or, or Point of View, I forgot which one I said it about. It was only, what, 15 minutes ago. Um <laughs> You know, I said, like, that's the song I think of. Um, or maybe I was talking about Life in Still Water, just about, like, what I think of when I think of that um, upbeat, fast, fast-paced fast Fates Warning style. But this song is what I think of when I hear, like, this kind of more mellow, more mid-tempo uh, Fates Warning. Like, this is kind of also their bread and butter, if you will. Um, they're really good at, at both of those styles. Um but I just think that the way, like you said, the way it, the album is ordered, I think the styles kind of clash a little bit. Um, and maybe that's why it, it seems more like an outlier. Um, but, uh, I, I do enjoy the song. I just, um, I don't know. It's just, we, it's not what I, I what I would have ended it with. Um, I feel like 11th hour or like you said, like we only say goodbye would have been maybe a better ending track, but. I mean, I feel like I'm splitting hairs at this point because this album is really, really good. It's just, unfortunately, there's just like three out of eight tracks that aren't fantastic like the other five. So Yeah, it's it's more than half, but not quite three quarters of the album is brilliant. And then there's other tracks which are kind of cool or, you know, decent. Um, what, what I'll say is this, and, and this is the biggest compliment I can give it. It holds up. You're talking about an album that literally came out 30 years ago this week, and it still holds up. And I enjoy this album every bit as much as I did when I first heard it 20 years ago, or 20, and now almost 25 years ago. It this album holds up, and 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 it, it was a nice kind of trip down memory lane here because uh, it's not an album that's in regular rotation for me. But when I heard it, I said to myself, "This is I I, I enjoyed it every bit as much as I did in 2001 or 1998." or even 2010, which is probably the last time I played it. Good stuff. Just, I don't know if it's their deepest album, but I think that the high points are exceptionally high, and there's really no low point per se. It's just some stuff that's, you know, kind of average in the grand scheme of things, but it definitely holds up. Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty darn well. Scale of 1 to 10, what are you giving this? Well, before I do that, I was I'm going to ask you a question. Um, do you remember what you ra- rated Inside Out? I believe this is from memory, but I think I rated it an eight. Is that correct? Um, I think you actually gave it an eight point five. Okay, um, I think, and I gave it. Um, I think I gave it a nine point oh, and. Um, I guess at the time I was like questioning like which of the uh, the two albums I like better, and and I think that I'm going to say that I give Parallels the edge over Inside Out just because I think that Inside Out I think only has outside looking in as that one track that really is super catchy, and I feel like parallels has eye to eye and point of view and we only say goodbye and even 11th hour which is not really in the same style as those other three it's still a super catchy and memorable song so for me i think parallels gets a 9.25 um i think that the weaker songs drag it down a little bit but um i still think that i do prefer it over inside out and and I don't know every Fates Warning album as well as I should, but um, I would probably call this one my my favorite. I would agree with that. And I'll say this. 
with the gift of revisionist history, now having rated 50 albums or, or whatever we've done at this point, I think Inside Out is probably closer to an 8. I, I thought that's what I gave it. If I gave it an 8.5, I gave it an 8.5. I think that this I, I album... I could be mistaken. I thought you said 8.5. I very I well know. might have. Uh, I think that this album is an 8.5. I think it is probably my favorite Fate's Warning release up there with a pleasant shade of gray for sure. I think that this is a step maybe a half step above inside out. So I think that that's probably more in the eight range. Now that we have this ongoing scale, this is more of an 8.5 to me. Um, far from perfect, but a very, very good album. And the high points are as high as it gets for the band. Uh, songs like 11th hour, as good as it gets. Um, I think that fate's warning has a ton of great songs. And I think that they have other tracks, which are not as memorable, uh, littered throughout their entire discography. Uh, this album, no different, except it has five really, really strong tracks as opposed to other albums, which maybe only half the album or a third of the album is like super, super memorable material. So that's kind of what separates this. And, and to your point, Inside Out has its moments. I think Monument is one of the catchiest songs ever. But at the same time, that's, you know, that and other other tracks on there is probably only half the album, which is as catchy as this. So it's one step down for me. But close and certainly in the conversation for some some fantastic prog metal that holds up yeah and, and i think they definitely have their own style i feel like they're not two albums that are the same like you know it's kind of like uh when, how dream theater followed images and words with awake which I, I think was a very different album and i think that fate's warning kind of did the same thing they weren't looking to make um parallels again when they did inside out and i think that's what makes both albums special but uh i yeah i agree with you that this one kind of edges out uh inside out a little bit i think just because there's this the stronger songs i think there's just more of those stronger fate's warning songs like you said and uh i, I had mentioned the um the deluxe edition of, of inside out when we did that episode there's also a deluxe edition of, of parallels which i um I bought for the bonus DVD, which has a a live um, has a thirteen tr- uh, thirteen set, track set list live filmed live from New Haven, Connecticut, in February of nineteen ninety two. Somebody had the foresight to film this concert. Um, probably zero idea that there'd ever be any want for a live concert on video or, or DVD. Um, the quality is such that it looks like a guy with a camcorder in 1992 <laughs> filmed the fate's warning concert, but still it's very cool. The set list is incredible. Um, it's, you know, all this, the fate's warning material from parallels and before um, there's exclusive interviews, there's behind the scenes footage, um, there's the, the music videos for eye to eye and point of view are on here. And then there's a, and then there's a deluxe, uh, a bonus disc as well, which has a, uh, eight live tracks from a show that they did in January of 92 in California and, uh, six demos from the sessions of recording parallels, including, um, uh, not including, sorry, I was going to say including Quietus, but um, that's actually uh, one of the live tracks that they uh, play on both the live CD and the live DVD. But um, I said th- I said this about Inside Out, I'll say it about Parallels. If you do not own this album, um, get this version because you get this really, uh, I just think a really um, complete collection of stuff from that era of Fate's Warning. And uh, yeah, that's... Uh, those are my thoughts. Nice. I, I, I like it. I've, I've yet to see that, but um, I may hop on your Plex server later and I, I'll, I'll take a look because I've not seen the bonus material. I just have the original albums. Um, there you go. Before we I had get... no idea James Labrie did backing vocals on Life in Still Water, by yes, the way. Yes, that was news to me as well, and that was the images and words connection that I had alluded to earlier. I had no idea that was the case, but kind of cool to, to read about. Um, did well, not he was that. warming up for his, uh, his, tri- his tryout with Iron Maiden. Yes, which is what we're going to get to next, which is the news of the week. And let me tell you something. I almost spit out the drink, the drink I had in my hand when I saw this. Uh, James Labrie said that he had turned down an offer to audition for Iron Maiden. This goes back to 1993. Bruce Dickinson had just left the band. 
they were talking to um, Iron Maiden's management at the time when they were looking for a new management company. And as the story goes, uh, he got pulled aside by Rob Smallwood of, of Rod Smallwood of Iron Maiden and been, was actually asked if he had an interest in auditioning to become their new lead singer. Is this a joke? Like, is this, is this, did this really happen? Like, I've never heard this before. And the thought of James Lebris singing the trooper, I'll put it to you this way. I heard him sing Number of the Beast. I can't picture this. Yeah, but could you picture him singing no. the songs from X Factor and Virtual Eleven? Because that's pretty much what he would have been doing. Yeah, but those albums hadn't come out yet. But isn't that what they were would have been auditioning him for? Oh, yeah, like- sure. I, yes, I guess they were auditioning for the Blaze Bailey role. But the reality is, even when they played live, they weren't playing all of this material, right? Like, they, he was going to have to sing Run to the Hills. He was going to have to sing The Trooper. He was going to have to sing Aces High. I mean, can you imagine James Lebris singing Aces High? Well, maybe, I, I that's, maybe that's why he didn't go to the audition. <laughs> Maybe to hear him sing live. Fascinating story, nonetheless, and and uh, you can go to Blabbermouth for some uh, direct quotes on this. Fascinating stuff, and just one other piece of information that I thought people would be interested in: uh, Modern Drummer Magazine has announced a Neil Pert Spirit of Drumming scholarship that they'll be offering um, to a lucky fan, I suppose, with the recipient getting fifty-two weeks of free drum lessons a one-year subscription to Modern Drummer, and then obviously a selection of classic Rush albums. I thought this was really cool. They're looking for a 14 to 21-year-old kid to basically get this scholarship. And although I don't meet the criteria, I thought it was really cool. Almost. You just missed. (laughs) Yeah, by about double double the age. But I got to be honest with you, really, really, uh, really, really cool. And uh, obviously trying to keep on um, the legacy and keep passing down the legacy of, of, of... perhaps the greatest drummer of all time. So kudos to them for that. Um, and of course, that brings us to our album of the week for next week, which is the first oh, Monday of the month. Yeah. Oh, I'll you got something yeah. else. You got, got something, something else. else. Let's hear it. Well, I just found out this uh, earlier today, and I wanted to just mention it because uh, I was a uh, unfortunate victim of missing out on seeing Unleash the Archers on their last uh, run in the U.S. because of... Um, some issues with crossing the border from Canada and their show in Rochester, unfortunately got canceled, but they have announced that they will be uh, doing another leg of the tour in December. Uh, I believe they've rescheduled all the shows that they had to cancel uh, Rochester being one of them. Uh, And um, Aether realm and seven kingdoms will be rejoining them as well. So uh, if you saw them in uh, last time, so we'll see him again. And if you missed them last time, now you got another shot. Um, I'm super pumped. I was really disappointed that I had to miss that show. And uh, I'm happy that I uh, got a second chance. So Merry Christmas to me. Yes, Merry Christmas to you. And uh, you'll definitely, definitely enjoy that show. Uh, it was my first uh, foray into the live entertainment genre in the last two years. Um, you will not be disappointed. And I got to be honest with you, Unleash the Archers has really stepped up their live game. I remember seeing them in Atlanta a couple of years ago, and they were good, but they are much, much better now. So I think you're definitely going to enjoy that show. It's actually coming back to New York City, and I'm hoping to catch them uh, in December as well. Yeah, I... um... Oh, my God. Brain fart. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, I was going to say that. um, I haven't seen... I still have not seen a live metal show maybe since the last prog power. And this might be the next one that I see, which at that point it'll be over two years. It's over two years now. So you can only imagine how amped uh, I'm going to be for the show, especially considering that they have two openers that I actually enjoy quite a bit. And the headliner being a band that I absolutely love. So um, I think that's going to be a hell of a way to get get back into the uh, the swing of things again. Um, I just am I'm itching so badly to see a metal show. It's just been way too long. But you're going now, a little peep behind the curtain, the day before this is going to drop, you're going to see a show, though. Not a metal show, but a, an enjoyable show nonetheless. You want to share with everyone who you're going to see uh, or who you saw yesterday? 
Um, who did I see? Oh yeah. Um, the, yeah, the remaining <laughs> two monkeys, uh, <laughs> Mickey Dolenz and Mike Nesmith. Yeah. Yeah. The metal exchange is going to talking about the monkeys, but, um, they were my first, uh, favorite band. And I kind of assumed that this might be the last, uh, incarnation of a live monkeys concert. So I could not, uh, couldn't resist. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, Definitely not going to be my first metal show in, uh, in two years. Not Something even tells me they're not going to be whipping out any classics from death. But nonetheless, I'm sure it'll be an enjoyable show and obviously good to see live music again. Next week, we come back with another uh, listener request. This one comes from Dale Gantz, mutual friend of the show and mutual friend of ours. He wants to hear Tesla's The Great Radio Conspiracy. And let me tell you something. I am woefully negligent when it comes to Tesla. I... Um, this is a band that we've obviously heard of uh, many, many times, and they were kind of on the last end of the, you know, the hair metal movement, and you know, one of those glam rock bands from the from the late '80s and early '90s. I have never heard this album in its entirety. I don't even know if I recognize any tracks off of this album. So it's going to be a very good listen for me, uh, for a band that I feel like I should know. I just never took the time to really dive into. So I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm looking forward to this and obviously picking my own album for the following week. So it should be, it should be a fun two weeks as we, as we march ahead. Well, I, I thought Tesla was a car until uh, Dale made his request. So um, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I know that I've heard songs from Tesla um, as a, as a, a subscriber to uh, XM Sirius radio. I do, I do get Ozzy's boneyard. So I'm sure I've heard Tesla, um, but I couldn't name a Tesla song if you put a gun to my head. Um, so this will definitely be a, an education for, for me as well. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend and you enjoy your uh, little experience with the monkeys and Mickey Dolans. <laughs> and uh, to everyone out there, thanks again for listening. And we'll, we'll catch you next week with some, uh, some Tesla. Yeah. And uh, on a personal note, um, just wanted to say thanks to everybody that's uh, supported us in this last year. I, I can't believe we've managed to crank out 60 episodes of the metal exchange had some very memorable uh, interviews. Um, we're not planning on slowing down at all. So uh, thank you to everybody. And uh, thank you, Justin, for being a awesome partner. Well, thank you, buddy. It's been fun. And I uh, look forward to many, many, many more. Um, love the feedback, love the, uh, love the response and, uh, we'll keep bringing you more material as long as you want to hear it. So next week, the great radio conspiracy, and we forge forward to the end of 2021 as we get closer to our best of the year episode, which is always going to be fun. Uh, I have my list ready to go, or at least I'm working on it. Uh, but I feel like I'm woefully behind. So something to, to something to keep in mind and a, a lot to catch up on, but we'll get there as, as we forge on with the uh, rest of 2021. Enjoy the week, buddy. I will talk to you soon. All right. Take care.